Hi, and welcome back to the Healthy and Happy podcast series. I am um, joined with special guest Carrie MacArthur today, and um, I'm really excited to have Carrie uh, with, with me today. Um, Carrie is uh, an AMFT um, and um, just recently graduated with her master's degree and um, is also um, on the Healthy and Happy team here and uh, is a healthy and happy coach and um, project coordinator um, for uh, for our team, and we're going to be talking about um, about the C today. We're focusing on core um, this month, and so we're going to talk about C's. And, and Carrie is um, almost a hundred percent C. And um, and so is a is a good case study in seeness, and so anyway, super super happy to have you here, Carrie. And any opening words that you want to share? No, I'm just excited to do this because, like, understanding core has changed my life in a lot of ways and continues to do so because of just how I don't know how it gets to all the pieces of of me that I thought that were just weird or that nobody understood. So to have this understanding that that people understand, you know, the way that I feel and that there's other people like me <laughs> and that get me, it just, it's made a big difference and I love it. Like I, I think about core all the time and I'm excited to talk about it. Good. Um, how, do you, do you mind sharing kind of your journey in um, in coming to um, embrace your seeness? <laughs> well, I no, I don't mind sharing. I remember when you first showed me the four different types with just brief explanation, and as you were writing the the different traits for me to look at, I. I was absolutely not a C in my mind. And I'm like, no, that's not me. And like, I could be, I didn't know the names of them at that point. They were, I don't even think they were called that then. They were one, two, three, four or something. But I was like, well, I, I wish that I were fun. I like to be positive. I like to get things done. And I like to do, I like to be organized. So I could probably be all of them, but I'm probably not, I'm definitely not that, that one. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think that I felt anything which is so weird when you wrote feels deeply I'm like yeah that's not me because I I had just pushed those feelings down for so long and blocked them um I remember like when my daughter was diagnosed with cancer at nine months old I didn't feel anything through the whole thing I was like went right into mechanic mode and you know just did all the things and so I just I just didn't think that I felt so it was really weird to hear that I felt deeply um but finally what resonated with me when you were you said something about um an E would have their closet color-coded and I'm like yeah mine's color-coded and you're like why and I said because it's easier to find things and you're like yeah it's more comfortable and then I was like oh no I don't want to be that one so I guess I just just always been hard well, it was for a long time really hard for me to um, to feel and to also, um, I just have so many thoughts all the time and it was just really hard for me to, to 
talk, open up and be me. So I was trying really hard to not be. And so through the process of, first of all, coming to terms with the fact that that was me and then like doing work to let myself be uncomfortable. Um, it's been hard. And at the same time, it's been like a breath. Like I finally took my first breath at age 40, whatever I was. I was like, wow, that feels really good. And so I kind of have this addiction now to like getting uncomfortable. There's still certain things that I avoid really well, but I, I really enjoy the way it feels on the other side. So that's a really big description of my journey, but it's been really awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. And you hit a couple of things. Um, in there that are really important um, for those of you that are listening that may not know what a C is um, C C stands for comfort and connection. And the, the primary motivator for C's is comfort, uh, comfortable clothes, comfortable furniture, comfortable emotions. Um, they, they want to be comfortable and they want everything around them to be comfortable. And, and that really becomes the driving, um, the driving motive through which most of the C's life gets filtered. And, um, and secondarily, uh, also very importantly, or very important, whatever, um, but not quite as powerful is, is connection. And um, C's will most often sacrifice connection to maintain comfort, but if they have comfort, then connection is also a, a really important motivator as well. As as Carrie said, you know, C's are um, are deep feelers. They um, they are the most sensitive of the of the types. Um, C the C brain is is like a soup. Um, everything is connected to everything else in the C brain, and um, and C's are really good at making connections. Um, they that takes time, takes time to make those connections. And so a lot of times, both because it's uncomfortable and because um, because of the way that the C brain tries to connect things, C's uh, oftentimes aren't really great in a fight or in the spur of the moment. Um, a lot of times I'll ask a C question and they'll kind of look at me like a deer in the headlights. Um, and then, and then later in the day I'll receive a text or an email or, or maybe next session or next time we talk and they will have connected everything we've ever talked about, but, but it takes time to make those connections. And so um, it's really important as a C to give yourself time to, um, to let the sand settle and to, to make those connections. Um, anyway, there's lots more about C's that we'll probably touch on a little bit as we move through here, but I want to, I want to hit, um, an important thing that you touched on Carrie, which is, um, for most people, um, as, as they come to, to know their core, there's an, there's an initial reluctance, um, to, to be what we are, um, and, and that happens for different reasons. You know, if those of you that have listened to the R podcast with, with Heather Choate, and she shared about, um, you know, her culturally feeling like it wasn't, um, it, an R wasn't what she should be. You know, she actually, you know, felt like 
she should be a C that that was the, the appropriate thing for her to be. And, um, and she, you know, took her some time to embrace her artness. Um, why didn't you want to be a C? Um, <laughs> the biggest reason is that it just never felt like anybody. It's just not, it's not cool to be a C. Like there's no um, awards for being slow and for taking time to get your thoughts out. There's no, for at least the people around me, like the emotion that I did feel if I ever like let it out was too much for people. It's too heavy. It's too, you know, and then I, I spend, I have spent for the last almost 20 years now, a lot of time in the personal development world with, you know, my husband and, in our profession and so um to hear you know everybody you know saying stop feeling don't look in the you know all of that stuff just feels felt super wrong and like it was the weak side or the victim side that everybody hates and doesn't like so um yeah mostly that i remember thinking when you wrote down comfortable you know that comfort i'm like nah i can't be comfortable i have to be always like working hard and you know that kind of a thing but and it was also really hard to admit that I want to be comfortable because it's not supposed to be cool it's not it's not good but I think yeah the biggest thing is mostly just that it felt too heavy and too much I always felt this too much for people like in every aspect so <clears throat> yeah and that that um that is a common thing and some of you again listening may have may have felt similarly and, and I think, you know, kind of reading between the lines there, part of, part of what you're saying um, that I hear a lot of is, you know, we're, we're really, most of us are pretty well acquainted with a lot of our weaknesses and a lot of the things about ourselves that we are frustrated with and that we wish were different. And, um, and so when we start thinking about personality and we, and we start looking at something, our minds tend to go to these things that we don't like about ourselves or that we struggle with. And we're like, ah, you know, we don't, we don't want that to be the case. And, um, and, and I think that's, you know, one of the things that I, that I really want and hope that people get from core is, is the other side of that is realizing um, all the great things. So, you know, C's bring, bring comfort to society. They bring feeling to society. Um, C's are, are willing to, to go deep with somebody and to show up and, you know, where so many of those things that you felt were, were too heavy and unvalued or unvaluable, if that's how you say that, to society, are actually things that are really beneficial to relationships and, and really important to society. Um, we just don't, a lot of times we have a hard time recognizing those things in our own selves, right? Yeah, it blows my mind to hear that, you know, our, the, ours feel like they should be C's or want to be C's because <laughs> even if, I don't know, just the way it comes across, like the, they might want to, BCs, but they're they're heralded for their arness, right? So it's just it's 
it's cool and weird. And yeah, it's one of the reasons why I'm super passionate about core now is because of that factor of this doesn't just like shine a light on the things about you that are broken, but it actually helps you to embrace the things that, that are your strengths. Um, it's a lot easier for me. And I think for a lot of people to see the strengths in other people, you know, to find strength in, in myself or in, you know, in ourselves is a lot more difficult. So to have that brought forward, like not only do, and not only do I have strengths too, but I do have limitations and so does everyone and how to work with those is like really, to me, it takes it a step further than other like personality conversations that I've had before, because it's been like, I don't know, here's this and then you can change it or like, here's this, have fun. It was fun to talk, but now this is like, here's this and let's work with it. Let's learn how to help you be healthier and actually happier with who you are. So. Yeah. It's um, I, I think it's, I think one of the most important aspects of, of being healthy is differentiating between things that we can change and things that we can't. And we waste so much time um, trying to change things that we really can't change. And, and we don't a lot of times um, focus on the right aspects of, of the things that we can change. So, you know, like learning how to be a good C or a healthy C or a healthy O or R or E and, and learning how to work, um, work within some of the challenges that are predictable with each type. And, and then relationally as, um, as you deal with some of the predictable challenges that, that come with each type in a relationship, then you can really focus on things that you can impact and things that are changeable and not um, wage the, the battle at the wrong spot, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, what a problem. I mean, again, there have been so many things that have been so helpful in learning all things C and other temperaments too, just because then it helps me also to know like someone isn't being mean or they're not trying to like, cut me off necessarily or hurt my feelings is just what their temperament does. That's been helpful, but probably the most helpful thing for me. Um, and I, I think I see things, I guess, from my, from my C perspective a little differently than, than the way you say it. But as far as like um, the comfort wins over connection, um, I can see that it, that it does and that it has for a long time. But for me, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily that I would prioritize comfort over connection. Um, I just remember, well, I can't say I still currently, I have times when I want connection so badly and I know that I have the ability to connect. Like I, I've always known that I've always been able to like see and feel other people. And, and I, I couldn't understand like, why was it so hard to, to make friends or to be able to like be a part of somebody's life in the way that I wanted to be. Um, and it, I think it was more, it felt, it feels more like not understanding the comfort piece that it was almost like I was losing half of myself or cutting off half of myself because of that, not 
knowing how to get out of the comfort zone or being so afraid to get out of my comfort zone. So, um, so anyway, it's less of a prioritizing and more of it just like, I can't get to the other side of, of me. So I'm only half of me. So being able to like, conceptualize comfort differently and to realize that I'm not going to die and I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to like evaporate into thin air if I step out of my comfort zone, but I actually will, will be able to connect to myself better and like be more a complete whole of who I am when I do that really um, provides um, motivation, I guess. And, and almost like a power an extra power to go through the discomfort. I like to, I call it a superpower just because it's like when I let myself get uncomfortable, that becomes like a superpower to lean into that connection of, of myself so that I can connect with other people. Well, and you're, you're hitting on a couple of really important aspects of the sea. Um, one is that the sea is um, almost has a, a sixth sense of um of being plugged into the emotional climate. Um, when a sea goes into a room, they just like, you know, just like people can, you know, some people can hear things that other people can't hear. Some people can smell things that other people can't smell. Um, seas can feel things that a lot of people, other people are not aware of. And so a sea goes into a room and it's, it's like drinking out of a, an emotional fire hydrant. And so, they feel all of the stuff swirling around them. And, and so that, that ability to be plugged into the emotional climate is a really, is a real strength of the sea. And, and then I, I think you hit on one of the most important um, aspects or dynamics of, of being a healthy sea. And that's the relationship between risk and comfort and connection um, because connection or intimacy is, is what most of us crave, right? We want, we want to feel like we matter. We want to feel like we're emotionally safe with somebody. And, and that's, you know, that's, we call that intimacy. And the, the, the formula for the creation of intimacy is not that complicated. You know, you, you risk, somebody risks, and then, some, when somebody responds well to that risk, then we feel safe, right? Um, and and that's the that's the that's the dynamic. Risk respond well to that. Risk respond well to that. When that happens in a relationship, then what? Then then we feel safe. But a lot of times, C's will will confuse um, safety and risk. A lot of times, when people talk about being safe they think that that means not risking. I'm not going to give you the chance to hurt my feelings so that, so that I don't get hurt. Um, but safety is actually something that we feel with somebody. Um, when it comes to that core need of, of emotional safety, you can't be safe alone. Safety is, is what you feel with somebody and you can only feel safe if you've risked and that risk has been treated well. Does that make sense? Am I, am I saying that well? Yeah. Yeah. And it, even now that I, 
recognize that and you know the experience the safety on the other side side of risk it still like gives me this visceral like oh <laughs> because what if they don't catch me right like even if they try what if they drop me you know I'm heavy emotionally and you know just like what if they drop me so it's like still I get this visceral response I was just actually I'm here with um my girls two of my girls and over through history I guess of our relationship there I've had a hard time feeling comfortable even with my own family and having um when I let myself be myself and then their their different temperaments and also just the dynamics of age and whatever they like to make fun of some of the dumb things that I do so even just earlier I was I don't remember what was happening oh I had I was talking to somebody on the phone because I had my earpiece my earpiece in and they didn't know so I was like talking anyway they're making fun of me and I even though I know now like differently than I used to I used to like I wouldn't do that I would leave the room I still do that sometimes to be honest um (laughs) or I would hang up the phone, you know, and then call the person back or whatever. But they're over here like laughing because I'm sure I look silly, like talking to, to nothing. And, um, and so I, I had to talk myself through that as that was going on. Like they're just having fun. They're not being mean. This right. is different than, you know, if somebody were really making fun of me, then it, I don't know. So it was like this, the risk of that is still, it's just so, it just feels yucky. I don't like the way it feels. And I feel like, you know, everybody needs intimacy or or craves intimacy and connection. And I'm sure that everybody has the sense of, you know, the risk and I don't want to take a risk, but I feel like for, for me, at least it's intensified times a hundred. Like I need connection so much. I want to be seen and understood. Like it's everything to me. And so it feels like it's way more than other people. Like anyway. Yeah. That's the, (laughs) that, so I don't know, like, I think I've heard you say, you know, we're motivated by comfort and connection. And so that connection piece is like, um, maybe even more intense than it is for other people or the need for the desire. I don't know if it's an either a desire or both. Um, I don't, I don't think it's uniquely, it's very normal for it to be, for it to be a powerful connector or or powerful motivator. And humans, uh, right. Huh? For human beings in general. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I mean those those two those two primary needs of of I mean we are social beings for one and there's tons of research that shows that we're better together than we are separate uh, unless it's a really unhealthy situation. Um, we're worse we're we're worse in a in a really unhealthy relationship than we are alone but we're much better in a healthy relationship than we are alone. And so um, we all, we all do have those needs that are really strong, but um, the, it is a, it is a very powerful motivator for, for the C brain. Um, One of the, it's, it's the comfort piece that gets in the way. Um, A lot of, uh, most most temperaments have have their 
their heaviness about them. You know, they're, they're things that make it difficult to be in a relationship with them or in a relationship with yourself um, around those things. But one of the things that's different for a C is that that, that the discomfort of that is more impactful than it is for an R or an E. And so I don't think that the heaviness is necessarily different, um, but the way that heaviness feels to a C is different. That that makes sense. sense. So the, yeah. So the connection, the need for connection is probably similar for everyone, but just the, that perception of what it takes to get it. And so maybe it feels more intense because it seems harder to have than it looks like other people have. Right. Yeah. Right. And I, I do think that that the connection is a bigger motivator for a C than it is for other types. Um, it's important for everybody, but it is, it is a driving motivator for what the C does. Um, I just know I want to connect like deeply. I want to know all the things, you know, and I want to, I want to be a part of, I, yeah. It's like, I want to get in there and tangle myself in. And that sounds horrible. But anyway, it's like, um, so I don't know if that, well, I, I do in conversations with you, but I only know how I feel though, right? So I don't know if that's unique to the C or if it's me. Like, I just wanted to be involved in all the things and I want to be like intimately connected in lots of ways to somebody, not just in the, you know, hello, saying hello and smiling and then passing on. Right. <laughs> No, that, that drive for deep connection to be seen, to be understood is, is an important part of the C. And consequently, C's tend to have a few really good friends um, versus, you know, a lot of, of more um, surface friends. Um, and, and a lot of times, and partly in an effort to kind of manage some of the, the, some of the emotional stimulus if you look at a, a C in a group, a lot of times a C will find one or two people and, and kind of be having a more private or in-depth conversation in a group setting. Um, that's one of the ways that the C kind of tends to naturally manage some of that, some of that overstimulus. Um, and again, looking for more of a, of a deep conversation than just sort of the general buzz of, of the, of the group conversation. C's and E's are both tend to be that way, tend to have more, a a few close friends um, than O's and R's do again, for, for different reasons there. Um, Another aspect that I think is really important that you kind of touched on is um, that C's um, C's are internal, then external processors. Um, C's like their space and their routine. And again, part of that is, is the, 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 the way that the C brain is able to make connections and the time that that takes. It's really important that C's give themselves time to kind of defrag, to, to, to be able to um, let the sand settle, process through things, analyze how they feel, what they're thinking. Um, and when, when C's don't get that time, if there's just a lot of stimulus upon stimulus upon stimulus, 
and their brains don't get the opportunity to kind of unplug and let the sand settle, then C's will, will get increasingly emotionally disorganized. Um, but it's also typically not enough to just internally process. That like gets it, I don't know, 80% of the way or whatever. But in order for a C to really feel like, um, like they've processed something, um, then they need an opportunity to be able to externally process it as well. And, and that one-two punch is really important, the internal processing and the external processing. I don't, you want to comment on that? Yeah. <laughs> this is, in a lot of ways, is my favorite part of my brain. Like, this is the part of my brain that I, when I'm alone, like, when I am independent of someone else, I love it. Um, it seems like, you know, I, I'll have a question about something. If I have to give a talk in church or something, I, I get the topic and then it just kind of works itself out. It goes into my brain and it connects and then it comes around and then it comes out. It doesn't take a whole lot of belaboring a topic in order for me to come up with, you know, my talk or writing a paper or lots of different things. If there's a problem, it has a way of working itself through my brain. And I love that because it, it helps me to relax and not have to push about something or to stress about, about thoughts. I also love, like, it feels like if something, a new piece of information comes to me and then my brain is able to connect it, it feels like the lid lifts off of life and there's just like so much more available. I love that feeling. When I'm with people though, especially if they're waiting for an answer or if there's like a conversation going on and I haven't made the connections yet and I really want to comment, like I know I have an answer, but I can't yet. It's really hard um, because it feels like there's less time to do that. And it just, um, and the other part about the external processing is, yeah, but I can know something, but I don't really like have it tied up. Like it's not until I can speak it out. And then people will say, I don't, well, some people will say, I don't know why you need to talk about, like, you just answered your own question. And I'm like, yeah, kind of, but I had to talk to do that, you know? Um, and then also just, there's so many words in my head all the time that to find somebody who's willing to, to sit and listen and like be um, an actual participant, like communication to me is everything, not just like one-sided, but the communication part. It's everything. And um, so, yeah, finding somebody who's willing to do that and, and helping or letting them have the time, you know, not trying to speak it all out when they don't have time is an interesting dynamic too. But that's really what I found is part of the, what I'm finding, I'm still working on how to do this in a healthy way. But if I can have, ask the person if they have time first to sit and listen to me, it makes a big difference. Um, Anyway, I don't know if what I was saying made sense, but it's, it's one of my favorite parts and probably one of my hardest parts, both of being me. Yeah, I think it made, I think it made really good sense. And, and you described it really well, what, what that feels like. Um, part of being a healthy C, it's important to excuse yourself from having to respond or feeling like you have to respond in the moment. It's totally fine to to give yourself space to uh, to to disengage and then circle back around 
the 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 conundrum that a lot of C's find themselves in there is that it can feel really uncomfortable to come back around or for or to ask for the space later to come back around. But um, if you're going to be a healthy C, it's it's imperative that that you do that. And sometimes you can, if you know a conversation is coming, you can do some of that internal processing beforehand so that you are more ready in the moment. Um, or you can ask for space and process after and circle back around. But to be healthy, you've got to do one of those two things. Um, another, another thing, a couple of th- other things that, that you touched on too that I think are really important for people to understand about, about C's. Um, one is, is the whole idea of, of emotional settlement. This is really um, one of the most predictable aspects of the C brain. Um, the drive to have things settled emotionally is huge. Um, and, and when something is unsettled, whether that's a conversation or a decision or whatever it might be, uh, a feeling, um, the C brain will sit and, and ruminate on whatever that is trying to get it settled. Um, and it's, and again, it, that takes some space to be able to do, and it's really important that, that you give yourself that space as a C and, and then, um, once things get settled, it, it, um, and it's not a choice when something feels unsettled, the C brain will keep working at it. Um, even if it's in the background, we'll keep working at it, trying to get it settled and until it does feel settled. And then, um, and then once it's settled, they want it to stay settled. (laughs) So, and they, they'll do that with people. Like this is, this is the way this person is. This is the way this relationship is. This is the way this job is or whatever. And, and there's this expectation that once it's settled, it's going to stay that way. And when something happens that like throws a wrench in that and, and kind of, um, I don't know, upheaves, creates upheaval around um, what they had settled then they'll, then they'll work on it and spin on it again until it feels settled again. But they, that, that, the, the drive for, um, for emotional settlement is huge with the C. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that um, has been difficult for me in accepting my C-ness is, you know, in that, in that needing to settle, like, I always am thinking, whether I'm actively thinking or not, my mind is always thinking. And again, being in the, in the world that I'm in, it's like, you need to stop thinking your brain. You think too much, stop thinking. And it was so, it's so, it has been so hard for me to like hear that because I'm like, but that's impossible. Like it, I can't not think And my brain is always going. Um, and I thought that was a problem but it was also my favorite part of me. So I was like, I have to like the one part of me that I like, I have to even stop. That was kind of how it felt, you know, until realizing that it's not wrong just because this person that's telling me to stop thinking doesn't think all the time, or at least not actively. Right. And just to be able to realize that there's like journaling is super helpful in that regard. Um, 
and just realizing I'm never bored. So I don't need to find things to fill my time because I can keep myself entertained forever has been like helpful. And then just understanding the where somebody's coming from. They're not trying to tell me that I'm wrong or that I'm bad. It's just, I don't understand. And it's not, it's not wrong as long as I'm not like letting it affect my ability to live and to be happy or, you know, yeah. Function. Yeah. Really, really good point. Um, and along that line is, is how, how seas change and how seas create change. Um, seas are very flowy. Um, they, they don't like um, typically confront or like bowl things over. Um, seas kind of work through and around. They're like a river that kind of flows and, and cuts and, and takes the um, works, works with momentum and with, with the grain. And seas are really good at, um, at working with momentum. Um, and that's an important part. There are lots and lots of different aspects of the sea that we could talk about. And this, this certainly won't be the last time that we have a podcast on the sea, but um, wanted to get you, um, uh, those of you that, that think you might be seas or are in relationships with seas, wanted, wanted to get you um, some information and, and, uh, and a, a real life example of a, of a sea here. Um, so Carrie, I really appreciate your time. It's been wonderful to talk to you and visit with you. Shared some really great insight. Um, any kind of closing thoughts on, on seeness? Yeah, I think my one closing thought is again, just it's really hard to believe that getting uncomfortable is something that's a good thing. Like letting, letting ourselves get uncomfortable is like a lot of talk about getting out of your comfort zone. And honestly, that sounds like the worst thing in life. Like, why would I want to do that? Um, one of the things that helps me is to reconceptualize that I'm not getting out of my comfort zone. I'm stretching my comfort zone so that I can be comfortable in way more situations. And it, it for real is the thing that has helped me to, to like who I am better and to be able to feel alive and a part of, of other people's lives is doing that. And there's so much life to be found by stretching your comfort zone. And so if, if it's difficult for anybody to conceptualize, or if you know, that's something that you feel like you struggle with is like, how do I get uncomfortable? You know, how do I step out of my comfort zone? Maybe link arms with somebody who, you know, is willing to help walk by your side, or maybe, you know, give yourself somebody on the other side to, to walk toward that you really care about. One of those two things is a motivator and knowing that you're, that you won't be uncomfortable forever. It's, it's a temporary thing and it's actually bringing comfort to, to life instead of getting out of the things that you find so comfortable. Absolutely. It, there's a, there's a huge difference between creating comfort and avoiding discomfort, right? And what you're talking about is, is proactively creating comfort because that will feel better to you and, and really good thing. You know, one thing you can do is, is uh, you do one vulnerable thing a day. Um, you know, if you're yeah. a C, just, and, and, and it doesn't have to be like jumping off of a cliff. It can just be a half a step further and feels comfortable. <laughs> and if you, if you set a goal for, for doing one vulnerable thing a day, 
it will, you'll, you will be creating more comfort in your life. So thank you, Carrie. That was super wonderful. Appreciate your time and, um, and tune in next time to the next healthy and happy um, podcast. Thanks. Thank you.